indebtedness. To deny indebtedness, if one is indebted to somebody, to deny that indebtedness, we'll see, is considered not only inhuman, it's considered counterinstinctual. As Yeshayahu says at the very opening of, of Sefer Yeshayahu, Yada Shol Koneo Vechamor Ivus Ba'alav. An ox knows its owner and, and the donkey knows the trough of its, uh, of its master. Yisrael lo yada, mi lo and my own people don't realize and don't recognize their indebtedness to me. In other words, Yeshayahu is saying that's already, you're going below the level of an animal. It's just animal instinct requires that you that you recognize where your sustenance is coming from. Every animal has got that instinct, and the Jewish people have, have lost that instinct. So that idea that, that we are naturally indebted becomes an important part of understanding this piece of Gomorrah, which is based on the posuk in our, in our parasha that we're learning in Parashish Mishpatim. And all these different cases we've been discussing, says the Torah, where we've, uh, where a person is accused of embezzling something he was entrusted with. If he says, then their matter comes before the judges and he has to, he has to make a, a shvua, he has to undertake an oath. And we'll see what means. If a person has been entrusted with, with something to take care of and he claims it was stolen from him, so again, we've got our famous Rolex and he says, sorry, I, you asked me to look after the Rolex, I did my best, it was stolen, nothing I can do about that. Says Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, he's only obligated to make a shvua, to take an oath, if it's a partial denial. That means I gave you two Rolexes to take care of. And you say, the one Rolex got stolen. Here, here's the one Rolex you gave me, and the other one got stolen. Then, the, then you need to have a shvua. But if I deny it, and totally it doesn't, there's no requirement of a shvua. My timer, what's the reason? Amar kra ki because it says in the posuk, ki no, this is the one that I can return to you, implying ki this is the one implying there is another part that I can't return to you, because it's been stolen. So from the words ki we learn the shvua of modebe miktsat. If a person acknowledges some of the, his indebtedness, he has to take a shvua in order to be free from the rest of it. Uh, but if he denies the indebtedness in total, he's free without a shvua. And this view of Rabbi Yochanan, quoted by Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, is different from the statement of Rabbi Chia Bar Yosef, who says, Although Ki is written in the section of the Chumash that is talking about a trustee, about, about somebody being entrusted with a picadon, with an object to take care of, that's not really where it belongs. There's Eruf Parashiot, this kind of a confusion of, of, of Parashiot, which is an interesting idea, which we, which we won't go into now what that even means. <laughs> and this piece of Kihuzeh doesn't apply to Picadon, to, to the trustee, it applies to a debtor. It applies specifically to borrowing money. So why is that? If I borrow $100 from you, and when you claim the $100, I acknowledge 50, but I don't acknowledge the other 50, then I have to take a shvua. But if I've got two Rolexes, and I acknowledge the one Rolex, and I deny the other Rolex, I don't. Why? 
This rabbi explained this. Why does the Torah say that only if you acknowledge your partially acknowledge your indebtedness you have to take an oath? Because a person would never deny his entire indebtedness if it were not true. So if a person were to say, I owe you $100, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I have no knowledge of any $100 that I owe you. We have a principle of he must be telling the truth. Who would do that? Who would borrow $100 and deny it? It's not human. As we say, it's not, it's not even animal. It's counterinstinctual to go and undermine a person who's giving you opportunity. Really, this person who now is lying and says, hmm, a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, I don't know, fifty dollars I owe you. Really, he wanted to deny the whole lot. But he can't deny the whole lot. That, that would be a, a ridiculous thing to do. Even the donkey knows its owner. So then, why doesn't he admit to everything? What he's really just trying to do is to push off the debt. So he says, yes, I owe you 50, which I've got. I can actually give you the 50. The other 50, I don't know what you're talking about. And his intention is later on when he's got another 50, he'll bring it back. But we don't want that. We want to encourage him to get the money together on time. So the Torah puts a shvu onto him so that he will admit everything. This is specifically in the case of milve. But by Picadon, people are willing to deny it. Why, explains Rashi? Because in the case of Milveh, What is the whole principle we're learning about is the denial of indebtedness. of That's where somebody's doing you a favor. Somebody's lent you money. You're not going to deny it. But if you're looking after my Rolex, you're doing me the favor. There, there you might you might deny it. The whole principle of Enadam is Panav, says Rashi, applies only when we're talking about a, a tova, when somebody has done me a favor. Then it is inhuman, not only inhuman, but even counterinstinctual. It's against instinct to deny the person who has done who has done me the favor. That's how that's how Rashi learns. Aval Bafikadon says Rashi, the Ain Khan Tova. But in the case of a Picodon where there is no Tova, there's no favor being done, this principle doesn't apply. Now, we need to understand this in the context of the principle that we developed yesterday or the day before, that the idea of a Shvua is to assuage the suspicion of the other party, because suspicion is so poisonous and you can never get rid of it. So the idea of a Shvua is to assuage suspicion. So this isn't baked in saying, mm, we're going to believe him because if he, if he denies everything, we'll believe him. If he doesn't deny everything, then we think this is what's going on. This is the Balchov who's got this in his mind. And that's why there's a Shvua. The Balchov is saying, this man is denying everything. He must be telling the truth. I must have not remembered who I lent the money to. He wouldn't deny it totally. So he doesn't require a Shvua when somebody denies it in full. But if a person says, I remember the 50, I don't remember the other 50, now he starts suspecting what he's trying to do. He's probably trying to delay paying the rest of the debt. And he wants a shvur. That suspicion is there that he's manipulating the facts. And that suspicion is there. And the shvur of Moedibimiktat is designed to assuage the suspicion of the, uh, of the malware and to make sure that the loiver, that the borrower pays his debt in full.
Rabbi Yosef Bechoshor has a different way of learning the Pasha. Rabbi Yosef Bechoshor is a Talmud of Rabbeinu Tam from the 12th century, a Baltusvis. And he learns the Pasha, and he, and he says, I'll call the Bar Pesha, Ben Shil Milve, Ben Shil Pikadon, Ben Shome Sachar, Ben Shbeshomer Chinam, Ben Beshoel, Ben Begozel, Ben Bechovelbo, Ben Sachilo. The principle of Moide Bemiktzat is not limited to Loive. It inclu- is included in every case of indebtedness, says the Bechor Shor. But that's against the Gemara. Our Gemara just said that we go like uh, Rabbi Chia by Yosef, who says this is only by Milveh. And Rashi explained why. The difference between a Milveh and a Pikadon is a Milveh, you did me a favor. If you did me a favor, the, the natural, the Chazaka, Chazaka means human nature. It's, it, it's human nature to tell the truth if you're denying everything. But to deny it partially there, a person, a person might do that. Rashi explained that. Where does the Bechoshor get it from that, the, that, that it's every case of indebtedness? There's a long Tosfus on the page, as you'll see when you, when you look at them. A long Tosfus, the whole daf is, uh, we just about learned the whole Omud this morning because the Omud is small because the whole Tosfus is here. And all the Tosfus is asking questions on Rashi. So the, Rashi is not that easy to understand for all sorts of different reasons. And the Rashbo does the same. And the Rashbo, which I do bring the first part of it in full, says it doesn't mean that this applies to a debtor and not to a trustee. That's not the distinction here. What it means is it applies to those types of claims that are the same, whether you're indebted, whether you're a debtor or you're a trustee. Those would be the same. So, for example, two Rolexes, and you say, I've only got one Rolex. You could do the same with Halvor, $200, and I only admit to $100. So, there, Modi Mimiktas would apply. The only time it doesn't apply is that kind of claim where it couldn't possibly be so in a Milve. And he says, the one kind of Picadon is the Shaycha be Picadon, the Lo Shaycha be Milve, the Hainu Nignavo Nevad, Venenas. If I say the, um, it was stolen, if I say it, this Rolex just came to pieces, so I threw them out, it just kind of all broke up. Uh, whatever I do, it's a case, it's something about the object, it's something that wouldn't apply in a loan. Those are cases where Modi Bemiktas applies, where it makes sense to divide the claim into two and to say this part I acknowledge, this part I don't acknowledge. That certainly works with money. I can acknowledge the 100, I don't acknowledge the 200. But a Rolex, you gave me one Rolex to say I acknowledge half the Rolex, not the other half of the Rolex, that doesn't apply. So then Modi Bemiktas wouldn't work. So it says the Rashbo, the issue here is the nature of the response. If the nature of the defense is one that could apply to a loan, then it applies everywhere, as the B'chor says, in every situation. But if it couldn't apply in a loan, then Modi B'miktas doesn't apply. Why? What's the difference? Explains the Rashbo. Because one only will be willing to deny something which the person to whom you're denying has to acknowledge is feasible. Maybe. So if I lent you $100 and you say, I don't know what you're talking about, I know that you know that I know that you're lying. I know what the facts are. I remember lending it to you. It's clear. So in, in such a case, a person wouldn't be kofa. But if I say, I, I gave you the Rolex, what happened? You say, you're right. It got stolen. I'm terribly sorry. I can't prove he's wrong. Maybe he's telling the truth. In such a case, there's suspicion. And when there's suspicion, there's a shvur. So the Rashbola, Rashi learns that it's because a person is, does not have the chutzpah to deny a favor, 
And the Rashbo learns a person doesn't have the chutzpah to deny something which you know is untrue. There's at least got to be the possibility in your mind that what I'm saying is true. Because then there's suspicion. If you know, if you lent me a hundred, and I say, I don't remember a thing about it, you won't even suspect me. You'll say, you know what? Nobody would have the chutzpah to deny it. I must be, you know, having an, a, a, an aging moment. And I just, I, I thought, I, just, I was sure it was you. I must be making a mistake. It must have been somebody else. Whatever the reason, a person will be willing to create a tolerance to explain this individual's denial of what I thought was a favor. But if it's something that's, that's feasible, a person says it was stolen, and I don't know, and I can't prove them, I'm just suspicious. Is he telling the truth or isn't he? I will never know, and he will never tell me, and I will always go through my life suspecting him. So it's the terror. This is sure. So make a sure that assuages my, my suspicion, and, that's, and, then, and then that ends it. On the Rashi, there's a very beautiful comment by a Talmud Chochem by the name of Reb Shmuel Aaron Lider. Reb Shmuel Aaron Lider lived in Bnei Brak. He died only a few years ago. He was a Slonim Echosid. But he was a Slonim Echosid. He was a Talmud of Reb Zalman Meltzer. So this is one of the people who had, in addition to being a Talmud of the Slonim Rabbeim, he was also a Talmud of Reb Zalman Meltzer in Yerushalayim. So he's one of these Hasidish thinkers who has a strong grounding in Gemara. And he makes a beautiful comment, and he says, why is it that in the brachas of the morning, after we finish saying all the brachas, all the brachas of just thanking Hashem for life, all every little step, all the beautiful things that Hashem has done for me, that's how we start our day, thanking Hashem for every aspect of being alive and being healthy and being able to operate. And then right afterwards, what do we say? Baruch Hashem, Gomel Chasadim Tovim Lamo Yisrael. We finish those brochas thanking Hashem for all the chesed, all the kindness you've done to your people Israel. And right after that, Yehi Ratzon Shitatzileni Me'azefanim Me'azutfanim. Ribbon Hashem, please save me from Azefanim and Azutpanim. Azefanim are people who are there isn't an English word for this azpanim. It, it's, um, it's much more than chutzpah. It's just this insensitivity, this conceitedness, this willingness to, to, to this, this, this insensitivity. Save me from insensitive people and save me from insensitivity. So he says, why, why is this straight after the brocha by Gomer Chasadim Tovim? And he answers it with a Gemara here, with our Gemara. What is our With Rashi. What does our Gemara say? What does Rashi say? There's a principle of Ein Adam Meiz Panav, that same phrase. A person doesn't show a brazen face to somebody who's done him a chesed, to somebody who's done him a tova, using a rashi, not the rashbo. In that case, says Rabbi Shmuel Aaron Lida, what we dive into Hashem is, I don't want to be one of those people. You've done such kindness to me, I don't want to be an asponim. I don't want to do things against you. You've brought rain. We daven for rain. We pray for rain. Our economy depends on rain. I'm not going to decide, ah, I won't go to the shoe this morning. It's raining outside. It's cold and miserable outside. That would be kicking you in the face. 
That would be denying the very chesed you're giving me. You're giving me the rain. I should be taking the rain and saying, Davka today I'll be on time and I'll go and learn and I'll learn and I'll daven properly. Davka today I'll do it because of all the wonderful chesed. I don't want to be one of those azay panim and nor do I want to have in my environment azut panim. We learned yesterday that you've got to be careful who you do business with. Don't do business with people you don't trust. The people you don't trust are people who deny chasodim. You do something for them and they, they have a very short memory. They don't feel indebtedness. They don't feel a need to reciprocate. They don't feel a need to respond. That's azut panim. That sense of I don't need to reciprocate. I don't recognize the chesed that the other person's done. Please, Rebbe save me from such people. Don't let me come into contact with such people because there's nothing more draining than to do chesed for people who don't feel a sense of gratitude, who don't feel a sense of, of indebtedness. And that azut panim comes right after gomel chasadim tovim l'amo Yisrael. Rebbe you who've done such chesed to B'nai Yisrael, we don't want to be azay panim, we don't want to be surrounded by azay panim, because ein adam meiz ponav, that would be inhuman. There's a chazok, it's human nature to acknowledge indebtedness. Don't make me less than, an, than even an animal that instinctually understands indebtedness. And don't surround me with people who are, who are that way so that I will be fulfilled with a sense of gratitude and so will anybody who is the recipient of my chesed.